You're listening to Bite Size Beauty, a podcast by Adore Beauty that breaks down the topics you want to hear more about into easy to listen to bite sized series. From sex to skin, we can guarantee there's something for everyone. So go on, sink your teeth into it. I'm Kerry Stanley. And I'm Kate Radford. And welcome to Timeless, a podcast made by us, two hair and makeup artists on the fabulous side of 50 with almost 30 years experience each in the business. Now we are here to have open and honest conversations about ageing and what it looks like to us in our world and also in our profession. Hi, doll. Hi, how are you? Yeah, great. You know, I'm really looking, like with every episode, I've loved every topic, but I'm particularly really interested about this one and having a chat with our special guest who is a former Vogue editor and it's about personal style. Wow, we can really delve into this, can't we? There's so much to talk about and around this topic, don't you think? I agree. I totally agree. Anthea O'Connor is a former Melbourne editor of Vogue Australia. Um, And in this role, it saw her write, style and produce fashion and lifestyle stories for over 10 years for this prestigious magazine. I know I've got piles of them on my bookshelves. It was something that um, we loved, the Vogue magazine. And she's now working as a fashion stylist. Anthea's got – she basically works with private clients. I am sure we are going to have an incredible chat with her and pick her brain about all her style tips to help people of our age group manage their changing bodies and we'll we'll just have a little – dive in about fashion. Fabulous. Now, we we will save that for a little bit later on because you and I want to have a chat first about this and about how we feel where we're at because that's what it's, the first little bit's always about us. So yes. it's really interesting, isn't it, as we've crept up the ageing calendar, uh, knocking down a few years, I suppose. And I don't know about you, but for myself, it has taken me a while to accept my own style. I've always thought over all of my years I never had a particular style or never really fell into something. But now I feel like I really have. I've finally found what suits me. Your look. You find what, yeah, when you find what suits you, you just have to run with it. And for me, it's embracing, well, I used to wear black all the time because I was a hairdresser and black, black, yes. black. And yes. then Melbourne, Melbourne, the Melbourne, Melbourne black. black. Yes. The Melbourne black. But now <laughs> it's so true. But now I'm trying to embrace colour because it actually is more flattering. Mind you, I do wear the same style of pants um, mm-hmm. all the time, de Cuba all the way because they're tight, they're stretchy. They have seen me go from a 12 to a 16 and in between. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, um, But they suit you and you feel good in them, don't you? 100%. And you've got pins. You've got great pins. Thank you. And that's what it is too when you find and, and you accept what is great about yourself and we all have parts of us that we love and it is about accepting that and going and owning it and going, yeah, you're right. I've got good legs. Sure I do. But I've got a menopausal middle and yeah. though that <laughs> and though I look in the mirror and I've had to really stop that negative self-talk, some days easier than other, I go, you know what? Just dress for it. Just just dress yep. for shape and not having to, you know, we we touched on it with Matt Clements, didn't we, about this whole dressing for age. 
Yes, and, you know, women yes. are sexier as we're older now. Yeah, also with Amanda, that whole idea of, okay, you might not love everything that's going on with your face. Just pick pick one thing that you do feel mm. that you can work on to make yourself feel a bit more confident. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. And then mm. the, how about uh, for, for, for women who have had babies and the changes that that has seen for their bodies? That's real and it's quite confronting when you go – to put on your favourite pair of jeans and you can't get the button done up anymore. Mm, 100%. Yeah. There's many stages of our lives that we experience this. But also we've continually touched on this, haven't we, Kate, about changing that narrative of acceptance or changing that narrative of ignoring the programming that is around our body, this whole, you know, this all this negativity that is surrounded by women, we face it all the time. Yes. All the time about the, our self-judgment as well, our comparison. So maybe this is one of the things that we, you know, we can start to address is like how do we get around this, the negativity? The comparison, that comparing, comparing, yeah, yeah. The social media, clearly another, another thing mm. that's impacting the way we all feel about ourselves. Back to Matt's point when we spoke with him, I think he made a really valid point that fortunately fashion is, is opening up and it's not – we no longer have to prescribe to those traditional milestones. Um, designers are getting on board and that's something that we've talked about before and that I've noticed the, the middle-aged models and this um, the promotion of seeing women our age – uh, in advertising, in fashion, but but you're right. I th- there's definitely help out there for people that are a little bit lost as far as as far as their style. And I know I've been a chameleon, like we talked about with our hair yes. journey <laughs> and yes. our makeup journey <laughs> through the eighties. How um, how there was really, I think, perhaps what's helping now is that that in those previous decades there was very distinct styles that people embraced and um and if you and if you didn't subscribe to that look that you weren't in fashion i think that's mm. changing now because you can wear pointy shoes you can wear round toed shoes you can wear flats you can wear sneakers mm. you can wear sky high heels stilettos like i feel like fashion is far broader now and there's certainly what we're being influenced with on on the socials and depending on who you follow and who your style icons are I believe that um that we've got a much broader broader base to work with which I think is really good because then I feel Mm. that people perhaps particularly in our demographic can tap into what suits them and and what's mm. going to you know make them feel confident when they're at work or they're socializing um there's there's some really great valid points Kate like i also think too that we don't have to feel this pressure to be a slave to fashion trends because as yes. we know like makeup like hair any trend it's not for everybody no and in this case it's definitely not for everybody you know like i even when i um Worked with you on the weekend when 
Timeless went on tour and we did <laughs> we did a wedding. It was very nice, actually. And you, we, we looked so completely different. You had these fabulous jeans on, which the girls all raved about, and looked and went, you looked amazing in those. If I put them on, I'd look ridiculous. Yeah, like we completely different styles. Yes, and so your the jeans you had on were trendy jeans and they looked great on you and I had my tight little skinny ones. They looked great on me. But you were there absolutely with fine. your pink <laughs> and your beautiful blouse with your pussy bow up to your neck all looking so <laughs> colourful and divine. Um, yeah, we're <laughs> Great Thank team, you. Kerry. We're a great ah, team. Time is on tour. Um, but it's finding <laughs> those key pieces. Okay, and one another bit of advice um, that I also now live by is when you find something that suits you yes, and you love it, get it in every colour. Every colour. Absolutely. That it's available in. Because <laughs> it, if it's not a staple in, in a collection – you can then, oh, then it'll go out and you never get it again. So and that's why I get it again. Cuba pants. I love them. I've worn through three pairs of them. Yes. I'm like, if I start to, it's starting to get a little thin, I'll buy another pair. Thank goodness, because it's a staple. And we, like you say, back to your point of trying to change the narrative, you know, when you hit 50, you don't have to crop your lovely long locks off just because you want the wash and wear easy to go thing. Mm. So perhaps the same again with our fashion. You don't have to jump to an elastic waist if you don't if you don't yeah. want one. Designers, I think, are, are looking at clothing so that it can be comfortable and hopefully affordable and um, and sustainable. We've got those issues Definitely. as well, don't we? Absolutely we do. You know, this whole fast fashion, that's a whole other conversation itself. We will touch a bit on that too, I think, with Anthea. So, you know, there's some great issues that we want to raise here. It's not just about finding the style that suits us. It's about how does that fit with us in our own ethos, I guess, and our own belief yeah. system as well. Well, shall we get into the convo then? Let's bring Anthea in. We are thrilled to have Anthea joining us now. So welcome, Anthea. Hello, girls. Hi, Kerry. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to have you. To have an expert like yourself chatting with us, we are absolutely thrilled because you come to us with a wealth of knowledge and experience. And our listeners, I know, are really looking forward to hearing what you have to say. So we'll just get right into it, shall we? Well, thank you. And I have to say, I'm a closet beauty editor I wish. Does that make any sense whatsoever? In my time <laughs> of magazines, which we'll, I'm sure we'll cover, um, you know, touch on, I'm such a beauty junkie and I'm just so excited to be chatting with you two who experts in all hair and beauty because I'm just like that sort of puppy dog that can't get enough, try enough, read about beauty products enough. I love it all. So I feel like I've really landed in the right spot chatting to you two today. Amazing. That is wonderful. So I guess, Anthea, everybody uh, would probably love to know, can you tell us a little bit about your start in your career and um, and your professional background in fashion? 100%. Well, look, my sort of story starts by studying, I studied public relations at RMIT and I then was a music publicist 
for a year. That was my thing. I thought that was what I was going to do. And then I moved into fashion about a year later and I really kind of found my spot, my space. I'd always loved clothes. I'd always loved fashion. And for me, that was just an obvious one. And I'd originally tried to get into journalism and I wanted to be a fashion journalist, but of course, didn't get in. Thought I'd go in through PR at RMIT, got in. And then I thought, I'm actually probably going to make more money working in PR anyway. So (laughs) I then spent about seven or eight years working in that space. Um, at different agencies and working with Simon Locke, particularly at Spin Communications, uh, which, of course, he started Mercedes Australian Fashion Week. So I was involved kind of on the front line with it pretty early. So doing my day job at Spin, but in those early days, we all moonlighted and worked on Fashion Week as well. We all sort of got seconded and dragged across to work on that event, which wasn't dragged across by any means. It was just so thrilling no. and fabulous mm, to be a part of. Did you love the runway? Loved every second of it. And I had yep. worked in London, um, you know, for free, obviously, earlier, like a year prior uh, at Lynn Frank's um, PR, which uh, oh, did wow. and hosted and staged um, London Fashion Week. So I worked there on that event. So I was sort of one of the few that had sort of had any kind of taste of an international fashion week. And it was just super exciting. And awesome team, fabulous experience. And that was what I did for about eight years. And then I kind of got the opportunity to jump the fence, I guess you'd say, and cross over from being in PR to media and journalism. And I became the Melbourne editor of Vogue Australia magazine, which I spent 10 years in that role. And I have to say, ultimate dream job, everything you think it's going to be, it is plus some. (laughs) And that was just thrilling. And so that's sort of where I really kind of found I guess my passion and it all came together. I loved writing. I'd always wanted to be a writer. I got that opportunity to really build a folio of work, to work with great people. I sort of put my hand up for everything to prove my worth, which, you know, we have to do to earn your stripes and climb up that totem pole. Working on GQ, working on other titles like Vogue Kids that we did at the time, and obviously working on Vogue Australia, you know, as my day job there. So that is sort of the fashion background, I guess. And then During that time at Vogue, which was 10 years, I did a couple of little things in amongst that. I was approached to host a TV show on Channel 7 called What Not To Wear. I remember getting Mm. a phone call from a producer called Deb Byrne. And it sort of went like, oh, hi, Anthea, it's Deb. You've come recommended from someone, um, Melissa Rutherford, gorgeous Melissa Rutherford, who was previously a Melbourne editor at Vogue, and said, oh, are you interested in being on a TV show? And I remember thinking, "Uh, actually, no, I'm not. I've just sort of (laughs) had my first child. I'm just back here. It's pretty fabulous but full on. And, of course, you know, it's funny, what you, it's funny, isn't it, when you're desperate for something to happen, invariably things don't go the way you want it to be. And I was a little bit sort of, oh, yeah, and it kept going and going and then I landed the gig, which was pretty exciting. So I hosted that show with Wayne Cooper. We did one season of that and it was just really, it was fun. I felt really comfortable in that medium and I really enjoyed the sort of, I loved the relationship with women that just didn't have that kind of confidence. It wasn't about kind of clothes or style shaming them. That was I was never going to be a part of that show if that was the role they wanted me to play. Mm. They'd done a little bit of that with Trini and Susanna in London. They had their own style and did that show. Ours was a bit different and I was always going to be kind of the the positive remedy and the the help, the help, like let's get a great solution Fantastic. for you. So going into it with that kind of uh, thinking, It was a really fab experience and I really enjoyed it. So from there, I sort of, you know, kept my role at Vogue, had more children and sort of 10 years all up and three kids later, it was like they're getting a bit older. I think now's the time to sort of freelance. Things sort of changed um, 
in a corporate sense, we'd sort of been sold and licensed to different media organisations. Timing was right. I sort of stepped into the freelance world, which is a little bit, tent, you know, scary at first. But, yeah. of course, the, <laughs> as we know, yeah. oh, wow, is that going to work? Is that going to work? Am I ever going to have an income again? But, mm. of course, I was able to sort of parlay that whole what not to wear experience and that kind of client one-on-one relationship into a private client styling business. And that has really been my bread and butter for the last 11 years um, since leaving Vogue amongst sort of doing other bits and pieces and hosting fashion events and presenting. And I then went on to The Circle, which sort of back into that TV space, which I loved working with Mm. those women on that show as the fashion commentator was another dream come true, to be really honest. So it's sort of all, you know, everything's led to something. Um, But the private client stuff is, is really what I really enjoy. And it's just gorgeous, regular women. i not doing red card. I mean, I've done bits and pieces, but my day-to-day is real women helping them re-establish their sense of style, put their wardrobes together, empower them to feel confident in their choices and to make their life easier just through taking care of the getting dressed element. Wow. That's, that's an incredible career to date. And I love that how, it, you know, especially I think going on to that show, as you said, it could have gone another way if you'd gone down that, because that name in itself Initially, I remember when that came out too, it was a bit like, ooh, it could be not positive at all. Absolutely. And thank goodness that that's not you or your ethos and you didn't go down that track and it's led to where you are now. And do you think that, you know, a a service like this, initially women might think, oh, that's unattainable for me. It's out of my reach. A little bit intimidating. Someone's come from Vogue. Oh, I don't know anything about fashion, but it's not. It's not fashion, is it? It's so much more than that. It is so much more than fashion. And if anything, I say, you know, trend men's really. It's a bit like you girls with hair and makeup. I mean, yeah, there's things happening that you're keeping an eye on. It creates a narrative season in, season out. Fashion is really too fast moving. And I think if anything in the last sort of 18 months of this pandemic, with you're seeing some brands change the way they do business and just cutting out that just crazy momentum of too many ranges, collections, the pace is just not sustainable. And I think it's a little bit like that in how we work. Like, yeah, keep an eye on the trends, but it's not the be end to end all and it's not something you need to be emulating, you know, season in, season out. And it is more about finding a sense of style. And I like to make other women feel good in how they look and the clothes they put on. And it is all about giving them that sense of confidence and also giving them that feeling that they can they can take what we do together and then they can manage it going forward for themselves as well. So that's kind of key. It's sort of giving them the, the tip, setting them up, setting them up for success and creating that framework through a really efficient, great wardrobe that works for them. And then they fly off they go. And I, the, I guess the testament to me in it working is I've been doing it for 11 years now and I'm still working with the the women and the clients that I started with back in 2010 and 2011, which is really lovely. Sometimes I see them four times a year, sometimes once. All going through that process, that process together as we achieve or reach these milestones, certainly of an age, but also these stages in our lives that 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 can be um quite stressful yep um that whole moving through having children and how your body changes then during pregnancy to how it recovers and then how you gain yet gain your sense of self 
back again and and now as our listeners who have been who have been tuning into Timeless with Kerry and I to to talk about these next stages as we age and menopause and and the changes so as our bodies change um, with aging do you have any specific tips I guess what what are what are your clients main concerns when they reach out to you and go help help yeah help help I'm sort of floundering I guess the thing is it's about having an open mind and there is no kind of criticism around losing your mojo on what to wear and how to get dressed we can't all be experts at everything like I'm really not good at lots of things but I'm kind of good at knowing what suits me and what to put on and how to build a wardrobe so I think it is about thinking, okay, I'm not a, I can't be good at everything. How can I outsource that bit of assistance to make me feel better about myself? And how, I'm probably going a bit off topic here, girls, but I was thinking about it. Think of me like an interior designer. You wouldn't undertake or undergo a massive house renovation and think you can do all the interiors yourself. You would usually engage in some help through an interior designer or an interior decorator to help you with some of those big ticket decisions and just getting the framework right. And it ends up being a really um, sensible financial decision because you're not you're sort of um, eliminating the, the risk of error and mistakes by having a professional who has access to things, expertise, knowledge and experience. So I kind of compare myself to that in a way. It's like I know the four pairs of black pants that are going to work on your body shape. I know where to get them. I know the differences between them, as subtle as they may appear. And I'm just going to fast track the client to the right combination of things. So so time mm. versus money. It is time. It is time versus money. Yeah, to that point, because Kerry mentioned um, a a couple of eps ago, we know we talked about how if you were stuck with your same little makeup kit that you've had since you first started putting makeup on, that that investing in some time with a professional to have someone guide you whilst it possibly initially seems indulgent or or a lot of people, or oh, extra. gosh, I wouldn't spend... Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah. gosh, I wouldn't spend the money yeah. on that. Do you know what? Yeah. I sort of really, if you sort of flip it around and think, okay, yes, I've got an initial kind of investment here, like putting your kit together. I've got yeah. an initial investment. I'm going to commit to that. But long term, it's just financially so much better. And I laugh with my clients. I do have to do a lot of talking them off the ledge. No, you're not <laughs> buying any more of those. No to that. That's being returned. I find me the quarter boxes of things that haven't even been. That, that's going back, 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 back. No to that. And I'm like the voice of reason, the, the handbrake that's saying, no, we need to just narrow this in. We're not buying any more jeans. You don't need another V-neck grey cashmere jumper. Of course you need I, one I've or got two. About, I've got not about 22. six grey male jumpers and windsheeters. That's kind of my, my sticking point. Who am I kidding? I've got 400 myself. But I like yeah. to be sensible for my clients. That's okay. Yeah. I'm sort of telling them what I should be listening to as well. But <laughs> it, it ends up being, yeah, the spend. So back to your sort of question, isn't it an indulgence? Is it sort of an extra? Yes, it is. But it's a strategy that's going to set you up for the next sort of one to five years and have these great kind of pieces that are the kind of cornerstones of your wardrobe and your sense of personal style. Uh, and, and that is the key word, isn't it, um, Kate and Annie, that word investment. And I think that's a wonderful take on it because also too we are now starting to think about you know, this narrative that we need to inter- introduce or to take on in our lives is sustainability. You know, we're hearing yes. that so much now. So yep. this is not contributing to landfill. It's looking at ways we can reuse, reduce, recycle, 
I'm all into yep. that. I've been an op yep. shopper from way back. All of those things. And there's some really incredible platforms that are available to us now. Anthea, is there anything that you can recommend to for those that like to seek online to find where to, to buy your pre-loved? Okay, so this base has boomed and it has boomed. Obviously, it's been coming and happening and, and progressing that way. But the last 18 months of people sitting in their homes, not being able to go into bricks and mortar, it has just gone vertical. It's my favourite way, honestly, it is one of my favourite ways to shop. I have a handful of designer resale um, sites that mm-hmm. I just trawl through daily, uh, multiple times a week, um, and I love it so much and my clients are on board with it. Here's the other part of this whole circular fashion model is I'm going into my clients and we're editing out and we're reducing editing, making their wardrobe very functional. I'm taking away pieces that they no longer need and I'm sending them and we're sell- we're putting them on the resale mar- designer resale market and they're selling them and they're going to another home and getting another life. So fantastic! it's yep. unreal. Um, we love that. As far as a few people that are doing it really well, I love Selling Your Wardrobe, which is a Melbourne girl called Geordie. She's so funny. Selling Your Wardrobe, she does really high-end designer pieces, uh, largely accessories, bags and shoes. She's really good at it, great stuff. The Trading in Style Girls, they're a phenomena. They are Bianca and Jenna, and they have taken a business that is a bricks and mortar store in Randwick in Sydney where they're selling designer goods and of course parlayed it into their Instagram feed and they now do daily edits and it is so clever. It's simple, but it's a really smart way to sell the pieces. Their traction and growth has been just phenomenal. It's massive. In fact, they've been featured in something in the age in the Sydney Morning Herald just this week. Wow. Just so awesome job, those two girls. That's a lot of fun listening to them and seeing what they've got and you, you cannot jump on quick enough to get the stuff. It's great. Another point to tie into this is back to the Kerry, you mentioned sort of investment and being sustainable. My whole mantra is buy less but buy better. Now, Mm. it doesn't mean everyone's buying a gazillion dollar blazer because not everyone can and there's different points of different things. But I steer everyone very much to buying the best they can afford. So, for instance, handbags are a really good example. I've had people say to me in the past, oh, look, I want to get... I just want to buy that copy that I want the Balenciaga something. And I'll be like, no, 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 no. That's going to cost you $600 and it's not genuine. It's not authentic. That's got its whole kind of raft of issues around that problem. Buy the best bag you can with the $500 you've got. Let's go to AESC. Let's buy a beautiful bag that's locally made in Melbourne, designed by Amanda Brisk and Reddick. Like, let's look at what's available. I can list four different brands of a handbag you can buy with a $600 budget that is authentic, unique, genuine, made ethically made, beautiful craftsmanship, all those things. So that is sort of part of the buy the best you can afford as per your own budgetary requirements, because you will wear it for longer. It is invariably better made. It will last the test of time. The design features and the design sensibility will generally last longer and be more classic in its styling. And then, of course, at the other end of that equation is if you do choose to move it on and sell it, if it is a label of of authenticity and quality, then you've actually got a little bit more chance of selling it on this emerging designer resale market too. So it holds Mm -hmm. its worth and value a little bit more. So that's a new consideration, I think, which maybe we hadn't sort of had in our mind five years ago, but is now definitely part of the the circular fashion economy and how you're spending your money and where things might end up when you're sort of, you know, finished with them or had you go with them if if that's what you want to sort of do. I'm so pleased that you brought that up because 
Of course, it's not always. We have to work within our own budgets. You know, not everyone can afford that high-end, high-fashion brand. Uh, And if you can, great. And that's absolutely okay too. So it's great that there is a chance to feel stylish and fashionable, but also steering people away from that. We know fast fashion, it's not ethical, as you said, for all those reasons. So to find a place in the market so something will suit them, but it's within their means. And not feel I have to keep up with the Joneses. I mean, no. are, are we seeing that go? Yeah. Oh, yeah. look, I, I hope so because, crikey, I'm too tired to keep up with any Joneses. So <laughs> I really hope that I... Who are they just, anyway? <laughs> oh, my. I just hope I impart that to anyone I work with. Who cares about the Joneses? It is so yeah. about the individual. And yeah. absolutely. And I'm all about crafting a sense of style and a blueprint of style for each client that is particular to them. It is all about all my clients do different things. So it's like, what's your lifestyle? What does your wardrobe need to do for your lifestyle, for your work or different type of work that you do? But even if you're not in a corporate setting or in a in a work setting every day of the week, you still want to feel smart and polished and your best self. And let's all be honest, we all feel better with a blow wave. There is no doubt about it. <laughs> that just goes without saying. It's a little bit the same now. Putting on real clothes now that we've had two years of Sweat sets and oh, active wear. Tracksuit mm. pants, yes. But like now it's yeah. like I feel better in some clothes that don't have stretch that are actually structured and I feel like I'm <laughs> sort of ready for business, whatever that might be this week. Yeah. But it all feeds into your state of mind and your confidence level and how you project yourself ultimately. Yeah. So um, I think that sort of keeping up with the Joneses is like who's got time mm. and it is all about crafting a story and a wardrobe that is right for each individual client, mm. definitely. Anthea, have you found your clients, um, has has that been a specific thing coming out of lockdown? Obviously, we're, we're all in Melbourne and all endured the lockdown times in Melbourne. Being shut down in every sense of the word, work, socialising, just our day-to-day business. But as far as you know, putting yourself together, uh, uh, were your clients coming back to you going, you know what, I, I need to make some changes again, like not just from that first wardrobe edit, you know, five, six years ago or what have you. Has there been a change there? It, it, not so much a change, but no doubt about it, everyone's forgotten how to get dressed. And understandably, yeah. like so less about changes and more about, oh, I have lost my I've lost my mojo on that. I kind of, yep. now I'm doubting myself, whereas I used to know and I used to feel good about how that all worked. Now I'm a bit like, oh, I don't know. So that's just kind of a little bit like <laughs> learning to walk again. We're just yes. quickly rebriefing on, uh, you know, I have one gorgeous client who is a corporate and she's gone from being in the office, you know, five days a week to, to doing this corporate job at her computer at home. But credit to her, we talked about it. It was like, no, you... I don't care what goes on underneath the desk, but it is all business end from the top up and all of these tops. <laughs> and of you yours. have had to maintain um, that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, again, we'll just recap on the top she's got that are perfect for, for all of her Zooms. She Zooms from, you know, 8 o'clock to 8 o'clock and it's like that one, that one, that one, that one. And it's funny how just sort of trying to keep some semblance of n- normal or what was before in the yeah. current order, new, you know, new way we do things Um has been really helpful. So not so much people wanting to change. People are desperate to get back to clothes and fashion. And and it is funny, I, I've seen it with my own eyes. When retail opened in Melbourne and it was bought forward by a week, 
I've just, I was happened to be in a store and I just have not seen women throw credit cards and hands full of the frenzy. <laughs> like it was like, what is happening here? It was like an out-of-body experience. It was like these women had been held back and not spending or, you know, not, not in a store and everyone had gone bananas. And, I mean, I know people respond differently when the barriers came off, but it was just funny at that particular moment in time I happened to be in a retail store and, wow, it was like New Year's Day. Oh, uh, Anthea, just time for one last question. We could talk all day, of course, but if there is someone who's listening to this and feeling a completely lost with their own personal style, mm-hmm. where do you st- suggest they begin? If, if they can't come and see you, they're not in Melbourne, but where do they start? I would really suggest that they think about talking to a stylist and there's ways to do it. So we've all learned to be agile and flexible. And if you can't meet, for instance, if you're in regional Australia and you can't get, if you're not in the same city, we can talk over the phone, we can do Zooms. It's not that hard to connect and then I do so much of my work remotely for clients, which I had started to do before the whole lockdown thing anyway because often I'll try and find shoes and accessories and pieces that are not just available at retail here. I do like to sort of look further afield and find those pieces that are just that little bit harder to find, sort of extra special and and purpose, um, you know, specific for my clients. So I do a ton of scouting and research remotely. So that just lent itself perfectly to where we're at now. And so there's many ways, not just myself, but other stylists that do it. I would consider just doing, doing a session with a stylist just to kind of outline everything that they want. What do they want out of their wardrobe? It's a perfect time to reboot. As we talked about age, I've had that many women come to me and say, I'm turning 50. I just want to do this for me. I want to reset my wardrobe. I want to feel good. I want to kind of know how I'm looking and what I'm doing for the next five years. So it's sort of a good line in the sand time to just say, hey, I'm going to just put a bit of time and energy and budget into me and set myself up. Yes, I'm spending it as an investment now, but ultimately it's going to not be such an It's going to be a little Mm, bit of a saving in the end. So to the clients that are feeling lost, you're not alone. It's everybody and, oh, I've forgotten. Does this look good? Does that go? What's in? Just have a little think and research who some stylists are. Everyone's feeling a little bit sort of adrift, I think, at the moment. And I know, speaking for myself and other stylists in this space, we only ever want the right, best thing for our clients and we want them to feel the best versions of themselves. So we can do that a number of ways, not just face-to-face in the same city. So mm. that's something to sort of consider, just doing that and setting yourself up for the next little bit. Yeah, that I mean, thank goodness for technology when it works, of course. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Anthea, it's, it's, you know, it's, you bring so much knowledge to the table and, you know, a wonderful service that you offer and um, and your colleagues as well. You know, we can't recommend enough for our listeners to, to get across it and, uh, and get involved and make themselves feel better because that's what it's all about. Oh, it really is. Girls, you're so kind. Thank you for having me. It's been gorgeous. We really could chat for another five hours. I'm sure I can oh, get through yes. half my notes. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us on Time as Anthea. Oh, thank you for having me, girls. See you soon. What a great conversation. Anthea is the bomb. Yeah, she's been a part of Vogue. Like who hasn't had a Vogue perhaps Mm. in their possession at some stage of their lives? But ultimately I love what she's offering as a personal stylist, Um, but it really rings true to perhaps our ethos of uh, less is more as far as 
reducing how much we have to think about and worry about you know if we've got a if we've got a wardrobe that works for us if we've got a makeup drawer that works for us and if we're yeah. concentrating on the on the good bits then um you know, yeah. hopefully we can live our best lives and be the best versions of ourselves. <laughs> Words well said. And it just comes back to investing in ourselves. And that's what we want to be doing at this age. Now, Anthony has very kindly given us a massive list of all the people that she is uh, influenced by, her style icons, the platforms that we uh, mentioned briefly that she does her online shopping through um, and the repurposing. So we will be able to put that out through all of our socials. So to our lovely listeners, get amongst that and get inspired. And we will catch you next week. See you later. This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders, both past, present and emerging.